Are you ready to live a more free, healthy, and abundant life? Transform your yard into a food forest and create a system for self-reliance that's easy and enjoyable with our friends at Food Forest Abundance. No matter where you're starting from, you can become more self-reliant. And you can take your self-reliance to the next level by becoming a producer of your own food through growing and foraging. And learn how to turn your property into an income-producing source of economic self-reliance. They can help you get off-grid and learn what systems to employ for food, water, and energy self-reliance. And live abundantly and in full connection with your property and what you produce. Click the link in the description to get started with your very own food forest and have your own sustainable source of livelihood and become self-sufficient with food forest abundance. Just click the link in the description to get started with your very own food forest today. Welcome back to Forbidden Knowledge News. I'm your host, Chris Matthew. Tonight, my guest is Mike Ricksecker. Before I bring him on, I want to tell you about my Patriot Supply. Of course, they are the experts in emergency preparedness. We're at a really critical time in our history right now with a very unsure future, and I'm very thankful that I have a four-week supply of their awesome food. It stays good in storage for up to 25 years. Right now, you can get $70 off a two-week supply and $100 off a four-week supply of their food. Just visit preparewithfkn.com or click the link in the description because it really just couldn't hurt to have an emergency food supply, and you don't want to be caught unprepared. Also, please subscribe to LBRY, our official backup channel. It is Forbidden Knowledge News on LBRY. We also have a brand new show called Beyond Classified. It is on Rockfin, which is an amazing new uncensored platform for free-thinking content creators and independent media. All those links are in the description. And finally, tonight we are officially announcing Forbidden Knowledge News Con 2021. It's going to be April 2nd, 3rd, and 4th online with 12 extraordinary presenters. This year we're going to have Jim Willis, Ross Ben, Preston Dennett, Sonia Barrett, Jared Murphy, Pierre Sabak, Karen Holton, Micah Dank, Corey Hughes, Dean Henderson, Deborah Tavares, and Leo Zagami. This is going to be an amazing lineup. You won't want to miss this awesome three-day event. Pre-sale tickets are now available on our website, ForbiddenKnowledge.News, and they are only $29.99. These are pre-sale tickets. The price will go up before uh, the actual conference, so be sure and get those early sale tickets right now. Just click the link in the description or visit ForbiddenKnowledge.News today to get your tickets. Tonight, I want to welcome to the show Mike Ricksecker. He is an award-winning author of several books, including A Walk in the Shadows, a, a Complete Guide to Shadow People, which we will be discussing tonight. He has appeared on multiple shows and programs as a paranormal historian, and he hosts the Edge of the Rabbit Hole live stream show and Beyond the Shadows on the Haunted Road Media YouTube channel. Haunted Road Media is also his paranormal and supernatural book publishing and video production company, representing a number of paranormal authors. With nearly 30 years of involvement in the paranormal, 
He serves as a paranormal investigator and ghost historian with Society of the Haunted and regularly travels to speak about supernatural phenomena and writing. Mike, welcome. How are you doing tonight? Doing pretty well, Chris. Thanks for having me on the show tonight. I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This is um, a really fascinating topic for me, especially because I've experienced sleep paralysis in the past. Um, It was a while back, and I've also experienced what appeared to be shadow people kind of approaching my bed while I was in this uh, kind of paralyzed uh, position. And it only happened a couple of times in my life, but uh, it was pretty terrifying, you know, not being able to actually wake up and, and move and actually being paralyzed while experiencing these strange visions. Um, I've heard different scientific explanations for the phenomenon, but there are so many accounts of this occurring and these beings that seem to indicate that there's an intelligence or even some sort of interaction that modern science really doesn't understand and can't explain. And um, I'd love to hear all your insights into that. But first, um, I'd like to hear what got you interested in the paranormal and haunted history. Well, uh, quite a few different things. And you mentioned, you know, waking up in the middle of the night and, and seeing a uh, shadow people at the end of your bed or approaching your bed. And I had a similar thing happen to me uh, when I was eight years old. However, I didn't have the paralysis part of it. We'll get into that a little bit later. But in this particular incident, I woke up in the middle of the night and there was a shadow person standing in the corner of my room. Of course, at the time, I had no idea that's what you called it. I had no idea from this type of phenomenon or or anything like that. I just thought there was an intruder in the house and it was about to kill me because that's, you know, what you think at that age. Um, So I tried to scream, my mouth opened, nothing came out. And it did something very unusual. It, It approached my bed, but then as it leaned over, and I'm staring up into this black face, there's nothing there, no eyes, no nose, no mouth, nothing. It actually grabbed me by the wrist, crossed my arms across my body like that, and then it ran off down the hall, and I turned my head, and and I watched it go into a closet of all crazy things. So I finally found my voice, found my legs, ran off screaming to my parents' bedroom. And, you know, they tried to console me. They were good parents, tried to tell me that I just had a bad dream. But um, I knew I was awake for this whole thing because I'd actually woken up and saw this thing. Um, I would never call it a haunted house or anything like that. It's the only real significant paranormal experience I had at that house. But when we moved from that house, and that was in Massachusetts, we moved to Ohio into a new house. And then in my bedroom, I'm just unpacking boxes, putting things away. I'm a bit older now. I'm 13 years old. And as I'm unpacking and putting things away, I kept seeing this figure standing in my doorway. And I'd turn and look, and it would take off down the hallway. And it was just... You know, a height of an average man, kind of see-throughish, you know, transparent. Um, and it was very, very fast when it would take off. And so this happened several times. I'd put things away and pack boxes, and there it was in my doorway. And it'd take off every time I looked at it. So I ended up asking my mother about this. And I guess maybe she thought I was a little m- bit more mature at that time because she actually said that, yes, she had seen this too. And she was... You know, it was really affirming. She didn't have any fear or panic in her voice. So uh, I chalked it up to, okay, this is happening. This is something that's here. And 
I got playful with it. I ended up calling the thing Tom, like peeping Tom. So after that, anytime I, I saw this figure, I'd just wave, hi, Tom, and it would take off down the hall. And that lasted for about three or four months, and then the activity subsided. So I've experienced these shadow entities a couple times in my childhood, and then as a paranormal investigator, many, many times. Uh, but what got me into investigating was really when I was a, a young teenager, about uh, 15 years old, my friend David and I were at our friend Lori's house. She was in a historic home in the downtown of, of the town that we lived at. And we're just kind of shooting the breeze, talking teenage drama and what have you. And all of a sudden she tells us, well, I think my house is haunted. And both David and I perk up like, oh, this is going to get good. <laughs> so she you know, proceeds to tell us that there was a uh, old, old family cemetery in the backyard and some different creepy things about the house. And then she tells us about how Every time she tries to tack something up in her bedroom on one of the walls, it would always fall down, whether it was an hour, a day, a week later, whatever. She couldn't keep anything tacked up on this one wall in, in her bedroom. So we're going to investigate. We go upstairs and we're checking out the bedroom, checking out the wall, all that sort of thing. This is like my first little investigation. Of, although, again, I had no idea that's what you, what you called it. And then David decided to put his hand flat to the wall like that. And I, I did not know at the time that David was extremely sensitive to uh, the supernatural and paranormal. And all of a sudden, when he put his hand to the wall like that, he turned this bright, bright red and started sweating profusely. I'm looking at my friend like, oh my gosh, what's going on with David? And so he started going from wall to wall in the house, you know, touching every single wall to see if there are any other like kind of quote unquote hot spots like that. And so that was the moment right there that I knew this was going to be something that I'd be involved with for the rest of my life. It just absolutely fascinated me. That's very interesting. Now, when you get into the aspects, I'm of... not hearing you. Oh, sorry about that. Can you hear me now? Yep, I can hear you now. All right, there we go. Sorry about that. No, yeah, that's very fascinating. You know, when you get into the um, aspects of different hauntings, say, uh, for instance, haunted houses. Um, do you believe that, I know that there's, they, they can have different types of hauntings and different types of entities that can, I guess, uh, reside at a different place. But uh, whenever you're in an investigation, do you find that you're dealing with mostly intelligent type of entities or is it a type of more residual um, I guess metaphysical memory or something that is kind of like trapped in existence, if you know what I mean. Yeah, um, it, it's a couple of different things. So, you know, a lot of times we are just interacting with, with human spirits. And a lot of times these shadows that we see are actually human spirits. But, um, you know, they can, they can manifest as an apparition, a shadow. They may not even manifest as a physical form at all. And they're able to still communicate, move things around, what have you. But there are a lot of times, like you say, you know, something... Uh, residual and uh, something that's been captured there. We have a, a theory called stone tape theory where the energy, you know, from a particular event gets trapped in the, uh, the substances that are there, whether it's, you know, the walls, the, the stone that might be there, even the metal. And we, we're not really sure what the catalyst is, but it, it kicks it off like recording and we're able to see that. That's why 
a lot of times you get this uh, interesting phenomenon where you know the, the the same apparition of this woman you know walks down a hall or up the stairs or what have you like on cue at a particular moment all the time she's always doing the exact same thing or sometimes some of these old historic forts and you see a soldier walk through a wall that at one point in time used to be a doorway and, and things like that yeah uh, and it's uh, often occurred at um i hear you know, Civil War battlefields, uh, mm -hmm. places like that where you'll see somebody of all of a sudden see a whole uh, battle taking place. And, um, you know, it, it just comes to life around them. And then all of a sudden the next second it's gone. It's, uh, it's very interesting to have that this energy that can reside there like that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Gettysburg's notorious for that, where people will see entire formations of, of soldiers marching and uh, you know, sometimes there will almost be like a little skirmish or battle happening in front of them. And they'll go and, you know, to the visitor center and make remarks about, wow, that was a, you know, very cool reenactment that you guys had on today. And they're looking at them like, we didn't have any reenactment today. So, yeah, that definitely happens. Now, when it comes to the world, this unseen world that we live in, I believe that there's different spectrums and frequencies that uh, certain people have easier uh, access, you know, people with psychic abilities can kind of access these realms and kind of communicate with people who've passed. Now, um, I'd like to talk about some of the entities that possibly reside in these different spectrums. You know, we hear the terms like demons, angels. Um, what are your thoughts on the different spectrum of life or entities that could reside right you know, beyond the spectrum of our vision, are there lower vibrational entities such as what people would call demons and angels? Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, entities like that exist. Um, in, in all my years, I've only been on one uh, demon case. And so I, I think that's, you know, television, unfortunately, has made it appear like demons are, you know, all, all over the place. And, and there's always, like, I'll have people... Uh, email me and say, well, I, I have a demon. And I'll ask them, okay, why do you think you have a demon? Well, because a mantle flew or a uh, candle flew off my mantle. It's like, well, step back a minute. You know, that's not necessarily a demon. You know, it takes a lot of investigating to be able to, you know, determine whether or not something is a demon. And that, that one particular case, um, you know, that was actually featured on Animal Planet's The Haunted about 10 years ago. And they, they made the show look like you know, we did it one investigation, determined this thing was a demon. We brought out uh, Carl Johnson, a demonologist, to help us cleanse the houses. You know, we had several investigations. We're in contact with the family for, for several, several months, had a lot of follow-up, and it, it took us a while to get to that point. So they do exist, but, you know, they're not as prevalent as, as a lot of uh, television would like you to believe. Angels as well are, are certainly out there. They're definitely, you know, light beings and, and what have you. So there is a, a wide spectrum of different types of, of entities that are out there, including, of course, human spirits. And I believe uh, some of the things that we're, we are interacting with are also interdimensional, the other entities that are crossing into our plane of existence from another plane of existence that we're witnessing, you know, perhaps as an apparition, perhaps as a shadow or some other form. And, and there's really a variety of different things that, you know, we could get into that, that we may be thinking as a haunting or a ghost or what have you, that could be an ET, it could be extraterrestrial, it could be some sort of, of time traveler, or maybe a moment that we're witnessing is actually some sort of time slip. So there's a lot of different things 
that we're witnessing here. And, and like you said, as far as vibration, a lot of times it has to do with, you know, our own personal resonance. And at, you know, a particular moment in time, we're not, again, we're not really sure what the catalyst is, but our vibration is coinciding with the vibration of another being that's there. And we see each other for a moment. And, and that's when these things happen. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. And I myself have recently personally had um, kind of a, a conscious experience like that during meditation, which is which was really interesting. Um, I want to talk about your book a little bit. What uh, what got you really wanting to write the book? Was it your personal experiences with the shadow people? Well, yeah, certainly that was an influence. And I'd done a number of presentations over the years about shadow people because it was a, a topic people had a lot of questions about. So, you know, kind of when I started doing the the whole speaking circuit thing, you know, I was doing uh, like my first uh, book on the paranormal was Ghosts of Maryland. So I was, you know, talking about different hauntings around the state of Maryland. And people kept asking me about, uh, you know, shadow entities within the state of Maryland, or they would tell me about experiences that they had. And the same thing when I did the Oklahoma book, I was getting those same sorts of responses and questions. So I decided to go ahead and put a presentation together together on shadow people. And as I did that, getting more and more feedback, more and more stories were being told to me, more questions were being asked. So this became a, uh, a rabbit hole that I dove down because I had my own experiences while I was doing paranormal investigations. I was having additional experiences as well. And then all these people you know, with their questions and feedback and stories and, and all of that. So I decided, all right, you know, I'm a writer. So <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and put this book together and hopefully help people uh, get a better understanding of, of what these things are. And you know, I always believe that sharing your experiences can help people understand that they're not alone. There are other people in this world that are having these experiences as well. Our universe is incredible, surrounded by mystery and beauty, and many of us have questions about our past, present, and future. October Hollum is an intuitive medium with over 20 years of experience. She has assisted people with discovering their path by understanding their past and connected the living to their loved ones who have made the transition. She is currently offering readings through Skype, Zoom, FaceTime, phone, and in person. You can reach her at theancientgift222 at gmail.com. Now, oftentimes the shadow people are associated with sleep paralysis, but there are also times where not, um, where you will see a shadow person that's, you know, you're not in, you're not trying to sleep or anything. What uh, are some characteristics? Because I know that there's not just one type of shadow person. People have seen people with you know, hat people, hooded uh, figures, right. different types of things. Um, you know, just from your research, what are different types of these shadows beings? Yeah, there are a lot of different types of shadow beings. You named a couple there, the, the hat man, the hooded figure. There's just regular, what we'd call a humanoid figure shadow being, uh, mists, wisps. Uh, we've got the old hag, which is associated a lot with sleep paralysis. Uh, there are the crawlers. So there's a lot of different types of, of shadow people. And uh, if you wanna, do you want to dive down the, uh, the rabbit hole of sleep paralysis? That's what I was going to just ask you, how it's connected. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> yeah, so... 
with sleep paralysis, uh, sleep paralysis is a real biological phenomenon. And I, I believe what's happening here, there are two different phenomena, shadow people and sleep paralysis, but they're, they're happening at the same time. And what I mean by that, so sleep paralysis, the real biological phenomenon, our body does paralyze itself, uh, paralyze itself while we sleep so that we don't act out our dreams. And what the medical community likes to say is that uh, when we wake up in the middle of the night, our body may still be in that state of paralysis and our mind is still in a dream state and we hallucinate these shadow entities. A couple of problems I have with that. For, for one, I've seen shadow people while I'm wide awake. So, and many other people have as well. Um, also, my very first experience that I had where I did wake up in the middle of the night and saw that shadow person in it, you know, across my arms, across my body, I was moving. I had no sleep paralysis at that time. You know, my mouth opened up, my arms crossed, I turned my head to watch it run. So I didn't have sleep paralysis during that moment. Um, I've also uh, you know, had my own uh, sleep paralysis uh, experiences. They were a bit reversed. Uh, a lot of people do experience the sleep paralysis when they wake. Mine were, I, I, my body was just wiped out and it crashed out on me. This happened a couple of times to me where my body was so exhausted, it fell asleep, but my mind was still awake. It was really disconcerting and frightening. Um, so I've had those experiences as well. Again, no shadow people. But we you know, dream about all kinds of things. I don't understand where, where they come off on. You know, it's a hallucination from our dream because you know we'll dream about cars and airplanes and trains. And uh, I've had dreams of being on stage with, Motley Crue, and I've never woken up to ten thousand people, you know, in in my bedroom with the pyrotechnics going off and the drum kit and the guitars and all. It's never happened. Uh, it when people experience this, it's always a person that's standing there in their room or at the end of the bed or what have you. And so, what I think is happening here again, two different types of phenomena happening at the same time. What I think is happening here is we're sensing their presence and awakening. And anybody who's had children will understand this, that you know, child has a bad dream or needs a glass of water or needs to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, and they come up to their parents' bed. My, my kids were notorious for this, especially my youngest son, Cameron, where they wouldn't always tap me on the shoulder and, and say, hey, dad, you know, wake up. Like Cameron would come to the side of the bed and just stand there and just do nothing. <laughs> I would suddenly just kind of jerk awake and be like, oh, Cameron, you know, what, what are you doing? What do you need? And, you know, he would tell me he needed uh, a drink of water or had a bad dream or what have you. So what is it that woke me up? It was his presence that woke me up. Our, our bodies have an energy about them. And there is a uh, toroidal energy field that encompasses us and it extends out several feet. So this is why when somebody walks into a room and you may have your, your back turned, but you sense somebody has walked into the rooms because you're feeling their energy walk into the room or, and you know, these moments at night, my son coming up to the bed, I'm feeling his energy and that is awakening me. So I believe what's happening here is the shadow person because they have their own energy. That's how they've manifested into this form. We are sensing their energy at night in the room and we're awakening to feeling their presence. And sometimes when we awaken like that, we are experiencing sleep paralysis because that's a natural biological phenomenon. It happens sometimes. Now, when it comes to our dreams, um, 
I think there is a lot more to our dreams than modern science gives credit for. Uh, in a way, I think it, it possibly could be access to a different realm or spectrum or frequency when we are sleeping and we do have access to more of a metaphysical type of world. Um, you know, a lot of extraterrestrial contact phenomenon uh, occurs while people are supposedly sleeping or having dreams. People have communicated with entities. What are your thoughts on the significance of dreams when it comes to, to this phenomenon? Yeah, dreams, definitely, uh, we can tap into a, a different realm with dreams. And this is something that's happened to me on occasion where, you know, somebody would call it a, a premonition. I never claim to be psychic or anything like that, but I will say I have a little bit more going on than I give myself credit for. And certainly in dreams, uh, you know, we can tap into uh, another realm. We may be able to, uh, you know, like the boundaries of space time, we may be able to, to supersede those boundaries and get a glimpse of, of the future or even the, the distant, distant past. Uh, so that can certainly happen. Uh, when it comes to ETs, there, there are a lot of similarities and a lot of parallels between uh, ET phenomena that people experience at night and the shadow uh, experiences as well. So there are a lot of similarities there. And as far as coming into the dreams, I think what's happening is, you know, we're, you know, we are experiencing something and we remember it as a dream rather than a waking experience. Uh, and that might that might have to be uh, to do with maybe the technology that they're using or just the the state that uh, our energy happens to be in at that time. If especially if they're coming across interdimensionally, it doesn't have to be a you know a physical craft or or what have you, and a physical being into the room. They could be projecting uh, their consciousness across the cosmos to to our world here. Yeah, that's exactly what I was just thinking. You know, these beings may be. Um, you know, interdimensional, like you said, but they actually may exist on, you know, some planet in some far off galaxy, but they're projecting their consciousness to our dimension. Or it could be just a, a different realm just beyond the spectrum of our vision, which is, you know, very fascinating. Um, I've had uh, plenty of researchers on that say that, you know, there are plenty of entities that just exist around us at all times, um, just oh, yeah. on a just a slightly different spectrum. Would you agree? Yeah, and I believe that happens to do, I, I do agree with that. I believe that happens to do with the, with the way uh, our our energy vibrates, our own personal resonance. And, you know, we're, you know, we're kind of, uh, I don't want to say trapped, but, you know, for, for the most part, we're operating at, you know, a certain wavelength, a certain frequency here uh, in this dimension. And so are our bodies. We fluctuate a little bit. And so that's why, you know, some people will see more shadows and apparitions and others see more apparitions and shadows when that happens. So we fluctuate a little bit for the, but for the most part, we're kind of confined in, you know, a, a, a you know, kind of a, a certain spectrum, you know, kind of like what you were saying, but I believe other entities out there know how to traverse that and, you know, jump through those different dimensions or travel through them. And, you know, you got to think about it from our perspective. If we had learned that ability, what would we go do? Well, we would go travel and then we would observe and watch wherever we traveled to. So, you know, a lot of these entities that we're seeing that are standing there watching us, yes, very creepy, but they're doing exactly what we would do. They would watch and observe and study. Now, um, earlier you had mentioned, um, 
you'd mentioned something about children, and I find that children are more, uh, many children are more open to supernatural phenomenon, and as they grow older, they kind of lose touch with this connection. Um, why do you think that is? Is that something that you've come across as well? Well, yeah, certainly. Uh, children are definitely more open to it. Uh, I think there's a couple of different reasons for that. It, it's kind of, <laughs> well, it's it's driven into us as we get older that um, you know things that are more supernatural in nature, and you know, it kind of goes through the whole maturation process. You know, we we grow up with things like you know Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny and these sorts of things, and as we get older, we're told. Uh, you know, close the kids ears, you know, make sure the kids aren't listening to this, but we're told that they're not real. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, so that's kind of, you know, what happens to us as we get older, the the adults in our life, those that we trust, those that uh, are teaching us, tell us that these things aren't real. So we start to disbelieve and disbelieve and disbelieve more. Some of the more fantastical things that we believed in when we were younger. The other thing that I also believe happens is that you know, we come into this world, we had, we've had a, a life force in essence, a soul before we came into this particular world that existed. And when we're younger, we're closer to being that type of a being than as, as we're uh, older, you know, we, we kind of forget where we had come from, which I kind of, kind of call the quote unquote home world for lack of a better term. I believe in reincarnation and, and past lives and all that. So we've been here before we go, we go to wherever it is and then we come back. And so as children, we're closer to being that, uh, that energy form than we are now. And you hear these really fascinating stories from children that are remembering these past lives that, you know, how in the world does they get this information? You know, they have so many details about, you know, a particular person and where they lived and their families and, you know, the job that they had and all these sorts of things is absolutely fascinating. And unfortunately, as we get older, we start to lose that. But, you know, I think the world is opening up now to more of these different ideas and people are starting to tap back into that, that energy and these ideas. Now, I want to go back to the shadow people for a minute. When you were mentioning the different types, you mentioned like the old hag, um, the hat and the hooded people. Do you think that these are actually malevolent entities trying to cause fear and harm? Or do you think they're just trying to communicate? Or is it a mix of both? It's a mixed bag. Uh, You have many shadow entities that are just, you know, a, a human spirit that can't fully manifest as an apparition. So they come off as a shadow, you do have ones that that are malevolent, and I, I think what what happens is you know, we hear, of course, the horror stories of, of the ones that that are more malevolent. Uh, of course, there are times that I believe that you know you're just seeing a, a human shadow, and because we fear what we don't understand, you know, we're seen as a dark form. We automatically think it must be, you know dark and evil and malevolent and what have you. And, you know, you think about a lot of the situations. I mean, they're creepy to begin with, you know, like, let's say you wake up in the middle of the night and there's something standing at the end of your bed. You know, know, when I was a young kid, I thought it was an intruder that was about to kill me. So automatically you're afraid, you're frightened. I mean, it is invading your space. It is doing something that's rather creepy. So automatically your, your mind goes to something that's more nefarious, but you know, some of these shadows could also be 
astral projection. So it could be a person even on our current plane of existence. Like the example I, I like to give is you know, a grandmother who knows how to astral project, but lives far away from her daughter and her granddaughter, and she wants to go visit. So she projects herself to her daughter's house, let's say 500 miles away, and just kind of looks in on her daughter that's sleeping, looks in on the granddaughter that's sleeping. And all of a sudden, you know, the child wakes up and sees you know, not grandma, but some sort of form standing there. Maybe it's a shadow. Maybe it's, you know, sometimes we talk about a, a shimmer, like a shimmer man sort of thing. It, it might be seeing this form and get scared, but it's really just grandma's energy looking in on her. So these things, these things, these things happen, but people don't understand what's going on. So they get frightened. Yeah, you mentioned earlier that sometimes these beings could even be extraterrestrials. Now, when it comes to the ET phenomenon, that's something that I have yet to find anyone that can really grasp a full understanding of what's going on. But I, I have a feeling that it, it is connected with the metaphysical and the spirit world in some way because there's there's so many instances that have uh, certain you know connections and similarities and um, a lot of these so-called extraterrestrials they um, communicate through psychically and through your conscious and it's not all nuts and bolts you know spaceships coming abduct people but when that does happen, that's where it throws a wrench into the kind of uh, interdimensional type uh, phenomenon. And that's where things get weird when you talk about people that have encounters with their hybrid children or they've been experimented <laughs> with, with, with extraterrestrials. They've been taken on ships and physically tinkered with. You know, that's when the, the phenomenon, it gets kind of hard to, to put together. And I think that's where a lot of investigators kind of have a split off. Uh, when I think they should be kind of focusing more on coming together on the two subjects. But what what are your thoughts on the differences in, in these type of extraterrestrials? You know, some may call them extraterrestrial or interdimensional beings, while others call them demons, and some just call them little gray aliens and think they're, they're biological robots that are being used by these entities to interact with us. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, really, I'm open to all of these ideas. I do believe that they're all connected. I, the entire universe is connected and even you know, multiple universes that, that we have around us. So, yeah, all these things are related to each other in some way, shape or form. Um, you know, some of them do travel here interdimensionally. As far as the, the nuts and bolts, uh, yeah, those happen too. You know, we do get you know, visited by extraterrestrial crafts and you know the government is finally starting to disclose some of that uh information which is which is fantastic they're kind of slowly you know bringing us up to speed which you know we've suspected all along but you know when it comes to the the abductions and and what have you i mean i i don't doubt a lot of those i mean there are some people out there that are going to make up a story and, and um you know fake whatever unfortunately that happens in a you know, almost every scientific field, you know, we, we see it in, um, you know, even the regular sciences like archaeology and, and what have you, somebody wants to make a name for themselves. So they might fake something, which is unfortunate, but it happens all over. There's, there's fraud everywhere, but there are a lot of uh, many, many uh, legitimate stories. Um, and when it comes to the abductions, well, again, think if, if we travel 
somewhere, what are we going to do? We're going to study the life forms that are on some planet that we come across. So what are we going to do? We're going to go down there. We're going to, we're going to grab one of them and take it up uh, to our craft and, and study it. That is what we are going to do as humans. So why wouldn't an alien race do that too? So it's not, it's not necessarily demonic or nefarious or malicious uh, in many cases, or maybe cases where it is, but in most cases, you know, they're just trying to learn and, and study us. And, and that's exactly what we would do too. Now, have you ever come across any cases where a person may have like regular communication or conversations with a shadow person? Uh, that's an interesting question. So uh, the universe, you know, it's, it's funny the way the universe works. So a few years back, I was uh, at a conference giving a, a talk on, on shadow people. My good friend, uh, Carl Johnson, calls from the back of the room uh, when I had the Q&A, you know, do they have voices? And up to that point, um, of all the research that I had done, all of the um, you know, stories I'd collected over the years to that point, there weren't really people talking about them having voices or being able to hear them. And then all of a sudden after that, the universe is answering the question for me. All of a sudden getting all kinds of, you know, stories and experiences from people talking about how they have uh, actually heard the, the voice of the shadow people. And I wouldn't say it's an ongoing conversation or what have you, but um, it, it is telepathic. It is through thought transference. You know, obviously they don't have a mouth or, or anything to be able to speak out of. So it is through telepathy, but usually it's, it's maybe a couple of sentences or a particular uh, prevailing thought, uh, but not like an ongoing dialogue like that. Very interesting. Now, um, there are places around the planet that are considered like paranormal hotspots. You have places like Skinwalker Ranch or, um, you know, Sedona, Arizona is supposed to have this mystical aura to it. Uh, Mount Shasta, different places have different energies. Um, what do you think is, is causing that? Do you think it has something to do with our, our ley lines and just the magnetic fields of the earth bringing forward these kind of energy potential energies that are existing there yeah I, I mean that's pretty much exactly what it is um i was on the the show the alaska triangle to, to talk about uh, these particular things and basically what it is there's uh the the energy from the earth's magnetic core is is welling up and creating these vortex areas on earth that you know can create things like portals and what have you. When you talk ley lines, the, the, the ley is actually the uh, geographic alignments of the different sites of, of power that are along the earth. And what, what they're doing is they're tapping into the telluric currents of the earth, that earth's magnetic uh, grid, the earth's energy grid. And they knew, the ancients knew to tap into this energy to be able to use it for uh, altered states of consciousness or healing and, and a lot of different types of energy work that we've just, we've lost that knowledge to time. And so they knew to go ahead and build those sites there and tap into it. And then people, you know, millennia later notice, wait, all these things are lining up and that's, that's the lay, but what's underneath that, the telluric currents of the earth, that earth's energy. And so you have these, these node areas uh, in which this energy, you know, ev wells up even more, whether it's like Mount Shasta or Sedona or the Bermuda Triangle or the Alaska Triangle. There's all their different triangle areas of the world. And so that's what's happening in these locations. 
I find it interesting that, you know, um, you know, we had recently the Skinwalker Ranch show, big thing on the History Channel. Now the military industrial complex is studying it and everything. And it's very fascinating how uh, the direction, you know, modern science is kind of going without necessarily coming out right and saying, yeah, we're really studying this stuff. But you can tell that they're really looking into this, uh, this phenomenon uh, seriously. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the military has always <laughs> been interested in these things, of course, to weaponize it or to spy, you know, years ago, Project Stargate with the military, I mean, that was remote viewing. They wanted to spy on our enemies. And so, yeah, the military definitely believes in this. And uh, I, I did spend a little time in NSA, so I did see a little bit behind behind the doors of, yeah, they they don't like to admit it publicly, but behind doors, yeah, they were very, very interested in, in all of these types of topics. That's fascinating. Um, yeah, they, I've heard, um, I forgot who said it, but that uh, at your highest levels of, of government that they, there's, you know, a lot of occult practices and, and beliefs and um, that some of these uh, modern secret societies, you know, it's not just a, a traditional thing that they take these these occult practices very very seriously and some people at very high levels as well oh absolutely uh there's there's a lot of that going on behind closed doors and you know you you hear about um you know the uh the museum in iraq that was that was raided um you know some years ago and you know they went for specific artifacts and it's it's really uh interesting how they know that there were power. There was power in these ancient artifacts. That there were ceremonies that were used at certain energy locations around the globe, and they're trying to recapture uh, that type of energy and that type of power from back then. Because they they know it was greater back then than we have now. We just have a, a faint glimpse of our uh, potential as humans, and they're trying to recapture that, but not let us in on that they want them for themselves i mean what do you know most people with power want they want more power yeah exactly that's exactly what i think is happening too um now i want to go back to something interesting you said whenever your own personal experience you said this this entity kind of reached out and crossed your arms and physically touched you how common is that to have these these shadows people actually physically interact with people yeah, that's not that's not common uh, at all. You'll you'll hear people talk about you know being touched or being scratched or you know maybe poked or what have you. But as far as like physically crossing the arms like that, uh, you really don't hear stories like that too often. Um, and the and the ones that I have heard, uh, I do like to you know really sit down with the person and ask them you know how how they really felt during that experience because people will ask me you know, what did it feel like you know, when the entity touched you? And because you know, they're wondering, okay, did it feel electric? Did it feel tingly? You know, what was going on? Uh, did it feel cold? But uh, in that particular instance, it just felt like any regular person touching me. It didn't feel necessarily special. It just felt like somebody's, you know, hands grabbing me by the wrists. Um, something that is interesting, though, is uh, some years ago, and these couple of people that suggested this, uh, did not know each other, and these conversations happened uh, probably a good year apart in that a couple of people have suggested 
that the entity that did that to me may have thought that I was actually dead and was putting me into some sort of burial pose like in ancient Egypt with the whole, you know, the crook and the flail, uh, which to me was actually a, you know, fascinating idea because if that's true, then that, uh, that shadow person that was physically interacting with me like that wasn't meaning to do me any physical harm. They would have actually been honoring me. So it kind of flipped on its head, you know, that whole experience. Now you said it's, you know, it's not common for, for people to be kind of interacted with or touched with by these entities. Have you ever had any, um, I guess, uh, not personal encounters, but have you ever researched any encounters where there was any violence or, you know, really getting uh, touched or felt or, or being handled by an entity? Uh, yeah. I mean, there, there are certainly violent, uh, moments and the, the most violent that I was in on was, uh, when we filmed that episode for the haunted, this was in Edmond, Oklahoma, when we were doing the cleansing of that house and getting this entity out of there, this one was actually demonic. And these are cases in which they, they actually can get very physical. Uh, again, demonic cases, you know, are more on the rare side rather than common. Um, in this particular case, uh, the adult daughter of the house, she was the one that was being most afflicted. Uh, she had come into the house while we were doing the cleansing. We had had the family staying uh, outside while we, while we did this work. But she came in to use the restroom when she finished up. She ended up in the master bedroom talking at something unseen uh, at the wall. She was just saying things like, you know, uh, why are you here? Why do you keep terrorizing us? That sort of stuff. So Carl, Carl Johnson, demonologist, decided to do a blessing over her. And when he did this, all of a sudden she doubled over in pain like she had just gotten punched in the gut and fell to the ground. So we picked her up, got her on the bed. She was okay. When I went back over my audio footage from that moment, uh, I did capture a voice, uh, what we call an EVP, electronic voice phenomenon, that said, die. So he did the blessing and you hear it clear as a bell on the recording. He's doing the blessing. You hear die. And then you hear her go, Ooh, and that's when she fell. Now, after we got her back on the bed, all kinds of other crazy things started happening that they actually did not show in that particular episode. Uh, we had a, a tri-field meter over by the closet where she was seeing this, this entity uh, most nights, that thing started going off like crazy. And then the back door uh, that came into the master bedroom that started blowing open. And so we close it. Uh, it would blow up and again, it would close it, blow up and again. We had to deadbolt the thing, and then Carl ended up doing a blessing over the door. So once we finally can push this thing out of the house and into the backyard, you know, we're doing the blessing over the yard, and the wind kicked up like crazy, and the cats are running around us uh, like they're, they're going nuts, and um, it just got super, super windy back there. And finally, it was done, and everything calmed down. We went to the side yard where the family was staying at to let them know that we had finished up. And we made remarks like, wow, that wind got really crazy. And they look at us like we're nuts. And they say, what, what wind, you know, we didn't feel any wind. And when it was like crazy windy in the backyard, just a few feet away. So it was a very, very, uh, crazy night. When it comes to, um, these entities that can attach themselves to a person, 
What do you think the reason would be? Would it be a combination of things, possibly a lifestyle or something you've possibly done, or maybe just this, you're just more open to having this entity attached to you? And it seems like usually uh, these attachments are negative. Um, some these entities that kind of follow people around, right? Uh, they can be, you, you can get a negative attachment. Some of them are you know, are benign, you know, you'll hear about attachments of, you know, some family member that's continuing to follow you, or, um, you know, maybe they're attached to an, an object of theirs that was a favorite object that they've hung on to. Like I had a, a, a friend years ago, her father had passed away and he was a ham radio operator. And even after passing would play around with his old uh, ham radio. And so uh, you know, she had kept that in He'd come back and, and play with the, the radio from time to time. It would just turn on its own. The channels would change, that sort of thing. So it could be rather benign. Uh, but then there are others, yes, that it could be a negative attachment. It could be a, a variety of different things. There could be something about your energy that they enjoy, that they like to feed off of. Uh, there could be a particular you know case when we start talking about uh, demonic cases where they might may want to uh, possess you. So there are a variety of different reasons as to why they may want to attach to you. Now, um, one more thing that I wanted to talk about when it comes to these shadow people are um, black-eyed children. You hear the stories um, of these strange black-eyed children, um, you know, mysteriously showing up. I'd like to get your thoughts on what what those are um, and possibly get into a little bit of Slender Man and, and the myth behind that. Sure. Um I mean, there, these are different uh, types of entities. Again, everything's connected. Everything's related. Uh, you know, black-eyed children, they're, to me, they are another type of interdimensional being. I, I think a kind of quote-unquote true shadow person is an interdimensional being. I think black-eyed children are also interdimensional beings, but they're not shadow people. You know, for one, you can you know, see them, you know, plain as day. You know, of course, very creepy and, you know, with the with the black eyes, they talk very monotone, they dress in drab clothing, but you know, with, with shadow people, you're not seeing any facial features. It's, it's all black. You might occasionally see like red eyes or something like that. Um, you might see clothing, but again, it's, it's all a, a, a shadow. It, it's, you're not seeing features and, and details really. Uh, you know, with black eyed children, they're, they're also talking to you. They have mouths that they, you know, that actually open, speak to you. And they're always trying to, you know, get in your house. And the thing is, is they want to be invited in and they actually won't cross the threshold unless you actually invite them in. Where with shadow people, they're not waiting for an invitation. They'll just go into your, into your house and into your room and all that. So different types of entities, but of course, you know, very creepy and disconcerting. Um, when it comes to Slender Man, Oh, this is always an interesting topic to talk about uh, because you know it's it's very well known that Slenderman actually originated as a fictional character on the internet uh, on um, the something awful forums. They were doing a photo shot, a Photoshop contest, and the user Victor Surge had created these couple of photos, you know, with the Slenderman character in there. And what he did differently with his submissions was he created a little story to go along with it, just a, you know, a couple, you know, one or two lines. And, you know, it was, you know, very creepy to go along with it. And people loved that. They, they really, really liked that. So he did a couple more and continued on with a couple of more, you know, little story snippets. And then other people started mimicking that. They were creating their own Slender Man 
photos and creating their own little stories to go along with it. So, you know, it was this, you know, this phenomenon online that became viral, but a lot of people believe that Slender Man has now become a tulpa, that the energy from all these people, you know, putting all their energy into uh, the idea of Slender Man has now created this thought form that has taken on a life of its own and is it may now be out there. Uh, and then we call that a we call that a tulpa. Yeah, that's fascinating that uh, our, our own thoughts and energies could create an actual entity. Um, that's a that's a whole nother show that we could get into on its own. I'd like to get your thoughts before you go on modern academia's view on the paranormal and hauntings and metaphysical. Do you think that it has changed recently or is in the process of possibly giving it a second look or a new look? Uh, or do you think things are still going to be uh, kind of not as progressive when it comes to this field? Well, I would like them to take it a, a bit more seriously. I mean, there have, there have been studies in universities across the country for, for decades. So there have been times that they have actually seriously delved into this type of phenomenon and have, have tested psychic abilities uh, with, with mixed results. Um, you know, I think, I think what's important right now is that, you know, people are feeling a bit more open to, to sharing their experiences. And, you know, because, you know, over the last 20, 25 years, there have been many television shows now. And, you know, you could take it with a grain of salt, but it at least exposes people to the idea that there are other people out there that are having these experiences. Same thing with the internet. You know, those years after I graduated high school, went into the Air Force, that's, that's when the World Wide Web first started, you know, becoming popular. We're talking mid-90s. And people started connecting with each other in in that way, like I was in a, a small town in Ohio during those years when I was having a couple of those experiences. So there was no one to go to, no one to really talk to. And the library did not have a really, didn't really have that kind of information. But once you started getting these, you know, online forums and um, you know, like Yahoo groups was uh, starting to become big and now that's going away, but people were connecting and sharing their experiences. And so that's where, you know, I, I, I dove, headlong into all that and connecting with people back in the mid nineties to, to really understand that, okay, I'm not the only one that's experiencing this. Other people are as well. I think that's been really, really important here over the last uh, few decades. So it's, it's caused people to really question the universe and not just be stuck in, you know, what academia has stated for all these years, we're questioning the world around us now. And I think that's really important. I hope that ac the academia um, industry, for lack of a better term, <laughs> will you know turn their heads again our way and really start to uh, take it a bit more seriously. Yeah, and I think uh, with you know advent of, of quantum physics and what they're looking into there, it kind of brings a, a little bit closer of a bridge to understanding what this you know unseen some of these unseen forces are and what we're dealing with. But uh, we're definitely at a, a very exciting time in our lifetime right now. Um, but I want to thank you so much for coming on to, tonight, Mike. Before you head out, uh, if you could let the audience know if they're interested in finding out more about your books, your work, anything you got going on, where can they do so? Yeah, absolutely. I have a lot of different things going on right now. You can find me at MikeRicksecker.com or HauntedRoadMedia.com, as well as the Haunted Road Media YouTube channel and the Edge of the Rabbit Hole live stream show, which is the uh, Edge of the Rabbit Hole 
YouTube channel, but I'm in the process of putting together a docu-series called The Shadow Dimension. That'll be out here in the next couple of months. You'll find that on Amazon. And I'm also in the process of, of developing a lot of course material to go along with all these different topics. So uh, stay tuned to uh, my website and all my social media, and you'll be finding out about those things very, very soon here. Awesome. That sounds great. And uh, we'll have to have you back on after those uh, come out to talk about them. Absolutely. I'd love to. Awesome. Well, Mike, thank you so much for being on tonight. And for everyone else, until next time, have an excellent evening.